Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Near Fall Radio right here on the Butt Munch Chips Radio Network. Butt Munch Chips, sit on your butt munch. I'm your host, Landon Doan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my tag team partner, if you will. By God, he is still my best friend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Will Rab. Rab, how we doing right now? It is an interesting time to be alive, but I am hanging in there. Um, similar to you, I assume... For, for you, this is similar, I guess, to what I'm trying to say. Uh, my routine hasn't been disrupted a ton. I mean, I'm still making an adjustment. But as of right now, uh, because we have a very small staff anyway, it's me and three other people who are at the radio station on a daily basis, uh, the two owners, the office manager, and then me in the sports department, uh, I'm still coming to work because, again, it's, it's four people. And I'm, I can pretty much stay away from everybody in, in the little cubby hole uh, broom closet that I call an office. Not that I'm complaining. I have enough room to do what I need to do. Uh, so I'm still going in and doing the show. So I'm get, getting able to get out of the house a little bit. Uh, and I spend a lot of time in the afternoon watching dumb stuff on YouTube anyway uh, outside of football season. Because I don't believe in sitting at the office looking for something to do if there's nothing to do. So um, a- adjusting. A little bit, it's different because you do have to think about, okay, so I'm supposed to be at the house or whatever. Uh, but uh, on the whole, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Uh, I'll echo a lot of what you did say, and it was a good assumption to assume that I'm kind of similarly going through a same situation. My day-to-day routine hasn't been impacted that much because uh, – Cumulus Knoxville has pared down to a skeleton of a skeleton staff. I think when I go in in the morning, there is myself, a sports producer, a country producer, and a news person, maybe an engineer on the bottom floor, but there is only four people on that one floor. And that's about, it it might get to five people in the building at the absolute most. But on top of that, Cumulus Knoxville has stepped up above and beyond, providing As much hand sanitizer, cleaning products, alcohol swabs that we need to keep doing our job and stay safe at the same time. So thank you to Cumulus Knoxville. But again, what I was doing after I got off the clock is very similar to what I've been doing right now because uh, we joked on uh, the show that I'm on, the Phil show, that this is exactly what I've been training my entire life to do. Sit my fat ass on a couch with a video game controller in my hand and don't go outside. So like, I am doing my part to try and flatten the curve so to speak my my big adjustment is we would be in the thick of of high school baseball season right now for those who don't know what that calendar looks like they start their season in march obviously because the TSSAA doesn't want high school kids having to play baseball until july to in softball and stuff to crown a a, a champion and for the first time ever it's a cruel trick from Mother Nature. It wasn't 30 degrees on, on high school baseball opening day. I did not freeze my backside off. <laughs> um, uh, call, calling those games. Call two games, and then the season gets postponed. And and look, I, obviously we did a uh, an R&D project about uh, Corona a couple weeks ago. Go look it up. Uh, trigger warning, if you're a fan of certain politicians, you're not going to like it. Um, but we uh, talked about that. Look, I, I'm glad everything's pretty much shut down, but that's the only big adjustment is, uh, you know, 
usually in the spring I wouldn't have a ton of office stuff I'd have to do and you know have my afternoons to myself but I'd be getting ready to do a, a, a baseball game uh, somewhere on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings and throw in a handful of softball games as well uh, so that's kind of a a, a, a bummer in a way because uh, you being a Cubs fan me being a a Braves fan we were fortunate to uh, have some legendary broadcasters who worked in both the TV and the radio booth. So I kind of romanticize baseball a little bit. It's a fun sport to do on the radio. It's a fun challenge to fill that time. I have a good uh, color commentator uh, that I work with. Actually, the guy who sold me my house is my uh, uh, broadcast partner uh, on those games. And so I miss doing that. And the best part about baseball season is you get to be outside while you're doing the games. And so... I miss that a little bit, but I'm glad to socially distance. I'm I'm pretty good at sitting on my backside, <laughs> and uh, fortunately, Shane and I have a nice little backyard area with a deck. I tried to send Landon a picture. That's where I'm recording the show right now. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think if you listen closely, you can uh, hear in the background some uh, some of the lovely audio from the palatial outdoor studios at the Rab Compound. From the from the Rab Compound, it's not as big as the Hardy Compound. We're not talking about <laughs> 90 acres, but I, I got a nice little deck and backyard and everything, and uh, we just have a grill session Fridays, Ooh. and uh, that's how we're trying. Uh, to survive here is I unplugged my headphones, so I'm glad I got those plugged back in before you tried to talk. Uh, so, so we're hanging in there. Uh, it's certainly not the adjustment that it would be, uh, say, for my uh, lovely wife, who's used to going into an office every day, and now she's doing Zoom meetings all day with kids. Yeah, it is really kind of funny that uh, like uh, this is the apocalypse brought to you by Zoom meetings. It's 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 crazy how many people have gone from never in their wildest dreams imagining of doing not just one video conference call, literally all of their business through video conference calls, and how they've just hard pivoted to that. And it's like, I mean, kind of a, a, out of necessity, and I get that, but at the same time, it's just crazy to see just how fast people when they realized oh crap, this is what we have to do to continue some semblance of life, just how quickly they adapted to it. Though we do still have the stories of a boss that somehow turned on a photo filter and turned herself into a potato for an entire video conference call, uh, and that story got out. So we do still have those type of stories, that, and, and that's fun. There was a, it turned out it's a social worker I found out, because again, my wife's, uh, her background's in, in social work. Uh, she worked with the uh, advise Tennessee program now to help kids uh, access college, which is a cool gig to have. Um, and her social worker friend, when I shared the story, she like actually read the story. I just looked at the headline the other day. Uh, someone forgot to turn off their Zoom call or uh, maybe it was a, a teleconference or something. And then so everybody saw and or heard her going uh, number two in the bathroom. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Um that must have been a fun conversation when she got back. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Karen. Uh, are you good on a uh, Charmin? <laughs> we understand there's a TP shortage. We just want to make sure that you're good. But it is kind of <laughs> funny that all like like you and I, we've been podcasting for for a few years, so we're used to remotely recording stuff. It's funny to see these trained multi-million dollar broadcasters who are having to hard pivot from being in a studio with you know cutting edge technology millions of dollars of tech at their fingertips to now it's like 
Oh crap! All right, I gotta clear out a space in my office to ma- uh, to where I can set up a background to make myself look good, and yep. hope a dog and or a uh, child doesn't bust into the room while I'm recording. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and I think about I think about it a lot because we're always obviously operating on a on a tiny budget. I don't even have a fraction of the budget that y'all would have for one station uh, in, in Knoxville. But it's just funny to see the different ways that people are figuring out, okay, hey, I can still get something on the air. And I think it's a really good exercise uh, for, not in the sense of like journalism, big J journalism, like going out and like, you know, busting mobsters and corruption and stuff, but for the (laughs) journalism media field uh, at large to figure out really effective ways to be able to do a broadcast uh, without a bunch of fancy technology. Yeah, absolutely. It is It is a, I guess, technical survival of the fittest. And speaking of a technical survival of the fittest, the world of professional wrestling is also having to grapple, no pun intended, with these uh, this ever-constant changing uh, scenarios that they're facing. First, they're dealing uh, with uh, safer-at-home orders. Then, uh, as of we record this, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just issued a, uh, a stay-at-home order, which goes into effect tomorrow, April 3rd, uh, at mid night and the reason this is impacting the world of professional wrestling it seems like well the two biggest names in at least american professional wrestling world wrestling entertainment and all elite wrestling they are trying to still continue business as planned particularly wwe with wrestlemania 36 coming up this weekend with these recent orders it is in, it's brought into question what WWE and AEW is going to look like here in a couple weeks because all reports that I've seen at least say that WrestleMania not only is in the can, it has been in the can for a little bit, but the Raw after Mania and the NXT after Mania have also been recorded. So the next thing that the WWE would have to worry about on their television schedule would be next Friday, April 10th, WWE SmackDown on Fox. AEW, I've heard reports uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, they went to two different uh, places, one believed to be the gym that uh, Cody Rhodes owns, I think it's the Nightmare uh, Factory, Nightmare Factory. yes, uh, they talked about that on last night's AEW Dynamite, and then there's also rumors that there's been a, a group at the Hardy Compound just shooting as much content as they can possibly get in the can before they do get the hard shutdown because both companies are operating under the assumption at some point the plug is going to be pulled on them yeah and it's it's uh, interesting to figure out what you're going to do um i applaud the ingenuity of both companies to find a way uh to to keep going um i wouldn't have hammered either company for saying hey you know what especially wwe because wwe can absorb this because of all the the content they had and i even suggested it uh i I long thought they should have postponed wrestlemania because and and we may elaborate on this later and come up with the next of it we have a dedicated mania segment uh the granddaddy of them all is not the granddaddy of them all if you shoot it in the performance center. And that's not knocking the performance center. It's it's a great asset to have to be able to keep cranking out content. But if I was the WWE, when we can finally get back to normal, whether it's June or July or August, 
that would have been my gift to pro wrestling is, hey, look, if it's feasible, maybe not on the scale that it normally is with 50,000 people, but if they'll let us put 15,000 people in Madison Square Garden, here's our opus to wrestling and the return to normalcy. Uh, but that ship has sailed. Uh, AEW was in a tough spot because they don't have a ton of content, and it would have been very hard for them just to go dark and, and quell their momentum. Uh, but I, I applaud them for weathering the, the storm and, uh, and some may view it as risky, but you know, I, I, I assume uh, WWE was taking uh, good precautions. I know because every story you hear about how good of a person Tony Khan is, uh, they were taking precautions. I mean, they to- they told the voice of wrestling. I don't I don't think it's absurd to call Jim Ross the voice of wrestling. That feels fair. And not just a voice of a promotion. They said, "You look, you're the voice of wrestling, but we need you, and you're at a high risk age." You need to just stay at the, the, the barbecue compound right now, make some sauce, and we'll get back to you in a few months. But you bring up a good point. At some point, this is going to get shut down. We already saw uh, last night on Dynamite, because we're recording this on a Thursday, a four, uh, uh, April the 2nd, ahead of Mania. Uh, they were in a different building. I, I think it's probably Cody's gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two weeks before that, they were at Daly's place, which is a great asset to have as AEW in your back pocket because the Khan family owns Daly's place. They they don't own, but they control Everbank Field as the owner of the Jaguars. And as Tony Khan will remind you in the Bucks, and Cody will remind you because they shot off all those fireworks in that parking lot at that launch press conference, Tony Khan owns that parking lot. We can do whatever the hell we want. That's That's a direct quote. Um... That's a great resource to have because when weird things happen or if there's a natural disaster or you need to move an event on short notice, they have that in their back pocket that if they're given the all clear and it's safe to operate, they can quickly run a show from Daly's Place assuming they don't have another tenant that they need to boot. But unfortunately, Daly's Place is in Jacksonville, Florida, much like WWE's Performance Center is also in Florida. And as we talked about, Florida has now issued the yeah. stay-at-home order, and those two assets are now flat off off the table, at least for the time being. Yeah, well, I'm just saying in the in the broader sense, when things happen again, when you're given the all-clear, it's nice to have that, that you could— Oh, I follow you. I follow you. you. Could, okay. If something happens and you either need to move a show, like let's say— like, I don't want to pick pick a particular place, but if a natural disaster happened and AEW was scheduled to do a show somewhere and a natural disaster happened or for whatever reason something happened with an arena, you can very quickly uh, do a show in Jacksonville yeah, with or without pivot. fans. Mm-hmm. And they've had that, they have that experience now and they have that in the can. It's also not bad to have Cody's place where you can train. If there's not going to be any fans there anyway, you don't need a multi-thousand seat arena you just need a place to put a ring and a stage. I'm not I'm not worried about what WWE is going to do because they've already kind of given you a glimpse uh, into what they're going to do is if they don't have the ability to tape enough stuff to fill two hours of time, they're just going to go into the archives. I wonder what AEW does if they get to where there's a, an inability to film any uh, thing at all 
Yeah, when all of this first kind of percolated, we thought this could be happening. I never once was worried about WWE because, like you said, they have a vault of of decades of content they can crank up there. And I mean, heck, ESPN has been running old WrestleManias, and the, and the two that they've run got 800,000 and 700,000 viewers, respectively. So WWE knows if they just want to throw up old stuff, some eyeballs will be there. Um, AEW, on the other hand, like you pointed out, they don't have all that uh, history to work with, short of, I guess, replaying a few of their pay-per-views that they've had uh, edited down for TV, short of airing dark matches, no pun intended, you know, from AEW Dark, the YouTube show that hasn't aired on TV. Um, And then everything that they have in the can uh, that they've recorded so far in these last few weeks. And I guess you could get... Tony Schiavone and Cody to do like uh, tape some wraparounds and packages to present these matches, set them up and try and continue the story. But I don't know how long AEW can keep doing that. And this, I was about to say this, uh, this pandemic comes at a really bad time for AEW. Spoiler alert, this didn't come for a good time for anybody, but particularly with the momentum you mentioned AEW, they've had been building such great momentum since the, since the, January 1st edition of AEW Dynamite, in my opinion, I don't think they'd had a bad show up until the empty arena stuff happened. And I'm not even calling those bad shows. They're different. I, in fact, I think AEW has responded better to the empty arena stuff than WWE has done. But I am worried long term what this does look like for AEW. As long as they can find a way to get to the fall. And again, if if you get to the fall or you get through a couple of weeks or a month and you deal with these, I don't want to, I'm just going to say basically shelter in place because shelter in place is a little bit more severe than, than safer at home, but basically everything's shut down. If you can get through this shutdown and, and you can find a way to do that. And look, I even think you go to TNT and, and, and you mentioned editing them for time. I just edit them for content. What's TNT running after dynamite anyway? I know, and they usually only give them uh, a, a two-hour block. But, like, if you have and you go back and I don't know if you could even do this, but if fi- find out, you know, who has the rights to be able to go back and, and play all in, play all out, play double or nothing, mm-hmm. play Fighter Fest, uh, Fight for the Fallen, Full Gear, uh, Revolution. And, and I, I know – Turner might be a little hesitant to do that because they want people to sign up for for BR Live. But if that's what you have to do or you just have to pick matches out of that, like you said, have Shivani and Cody kind of set up some of these matches and, and just put together highlight shows and, and pull stuff from, from Dark. If, if you can weather the storm for a couple months, I think in a couple of months you would get to a situation and maybe you can't have full-on shows and that stagnates some of the storylines, but you could get back to taping wrestling in a, in for lack of a better term, a, a hanger if you had to. Yeah, and and if AEW does have to do that, I don't think it would be a bad option. I just had this thought, and I don't know if it's at all feasible. What if AEW went to these indie promotions out there that are suffering more so than AEW and WWE? What if they went out to these indie federations where their stars came from? Not necessarily New Japan, because New Japan's their own entity. But yeah. the the other indie promotions that you know created the MJFs, the Darby Allens, the Orange Cassidys. What if you went to them and said, hey, look, we know right now 
we as a wrestling uh, community were hurting? What if we gave you some money and you then gave us the TV rights to broadcast some of these matches and you could show how these AEW stars cut their teeth, so to speak, and how they grew from what they started as to these AEW megastars that are presented weekly on TNT. Again, I don't know if that's a possibility, but I think that would be pretty cool. I mean, you would think since, you know, Excalibur, who's one of the 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 main guys at PWG is on the payroll at AEW. That would be possible. Uh, it might be more difficult with a uh, Major League Wrestling or a Ring of Honor because they have TV deals. That is true, yeah. Uh, but I, look, th- like we said, people are having to be creative in every way possible. You have a bunch of creative people at both companies, but AEW is is much more apt to say, hey, let's just kind of see what happens. And if we strike out, we're going to make an adjustment. And when we come back uh, for our next at-bat, uh, we'll adjust. And, and uh, maybe we won't hit, hit, a, hit a home run, but uh, we'll turn a strikeout into a, a two-RBI double. Yeah, and it, I, I wish I could remember which podcast I was listening to this week. They said this really feels almost like a season finale for AEW and the WWE. I mean, like, they always think, you know, WrestleMania, uh, the WrestleMania is the end of the wrestling calendar year, and then the Raw after Mania is the start. But this year especially, it almost feels like season finales if this was a TV show. And heck, in the last few weeks, we've seen wrestling be treated more like a television product than a well, professional wrestling product, just because we've been having to deal with all these scheduling questions. And you do make a good point. AEW has, and WWE for that matter, has these creative minds that can figure out, all right, we have to pivot from A to B and we're going to make B work. Because in a situation like this, creativity is going to rise to the top and that's going to make you stand out and get eyeballs on you in a time where people are looking for distractions. Absolutely. And I think that is something that will, in the long run, because I do think that AEW will weather the storm because TNT has already invested in it. Because Not that they have unlimited pockets, because we saw just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to be successful. If it was all about money, WCW would have put WWF out of business. Because mm-hmm. Ted Turner had more money than Vince McMahon. That's period. back when he was legit billionaire Ted before t- before the AOL Time Warner merger yes. too. Yes. So th- if it was just money, then the cons would crush Vince McMahon and all that because they have a lot of money they can throw at the situation. But I, 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 as long as you can provide content to weather uh, the storm... In whatever way possible. Even if you have to do best of stuff, or you just have to go to Turner and say, hey, look, we just got to do best of stuff here. You're actually saving Turner money because Turner pays all the production costs for AEW. They give them, I think, like $500,000 a week or something like that uh, to produce their TV show. And so you're saving Turner money because they're not having to foot that bill and you're providing them content. If AEW can weather the storm, I think the fact that they continue to find ways to advance their storylines, even if you know you just have to keep doing being the elite from home, you can still tell stories. Um, 
they'll come out on the other side of this maybe a little bit better than WWE because they didn't completely abandon their storylines or not having to start from scratch, if that makes sense. It does make sense what you're saying. I don't know if I would go as so far to say I think AEW will come out better on the other side than WWE because there is part of me, like I said, I am, I'm not going to say I'm legitimately concerned like, you know, they're a family member, but I am kind of leery about their lack of content, um, so to speak, you know, unlike the WWE that has decades and decades to bank on if they need to. But I do think AEW is going to be okay because in the last few weeks on television, as you mentioned, they have continued their storyline. Of course, they've had to kind of pump the brakes on blood and guts, which I think was the right move because you want to give that match the full build that it deserves. But they have continued some major story elements in the world of All Elite Wrestling. Not only have they introduced a secondary title, which you and I, we've kind of been talking between ourselves we were hoping that was coming down the pike then we've had a number of both in-ring debuts and straight-up debuts and then we know who's going to be the challenger for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship title next so Rab a lot of stuff going on in the world of all elite wrestling where do you want to start while we're talking about being the elite let, let let's go back to the decision like you said uh, to put blood and guts on hold and I, I think that is something that will, when we get, again, we get to the point, hopefully, as I knock on my plastic wood, <laughs> uh, I think that came through a little bit. I think it you'd did. actually yeah, hear yeah, that yeah, on we, the mic. We, yeah, we picked it up. There yeah. we go. Uh, lo- low budget production here, but we're doing what the best we can. I-, I think there are things that people want to see that you have built storylines for that, if AEW can weather the storm, like let's just assume that they're just like busting their ass right now filming stuff and they have a month of stuff in the can and they can get through a month and then they got to figure out how to fill stuff and then they fill another month. And like I said, by the time that happens, it's June and maybe you can't have fans, but you can start running weekly TV again. Right. So yeah, in theory, in theory, uh, And maybe even if you just weather this storm and you can get through May and you can keep people engaged, we already know they're building towards stuff for uh, double or nothing. Um, Then you relaunch there. And I'm not saying you do blood and guts at double or nothing. That should be its own event. Uh, But there's enough stuff going on that I think you can continue even without having matches to build feuds that w, that that AEW could relaunch with a spark if Double or Nothing's still able to go off uh, at the end of May in Vegas or maybe early June uh, in Vegas. Uh, but I got to tell, I'm excited uh, for a lot of things in AEW. There's some stuff that some long term stuff I'm excited about. What happens with Brody Lee leading the Dark Order? I really love that move. Uh, what Matt Hardy does. Like, I like the idea of Matt Hardy screwing around with Chris Jericho right now. This is great. This is a, a perfect person to have in your organization when you can't actually have wrestling matches. Matt Hardy's weird no as kidding. all get out. He is a weird son of a bitch. But what a great weird son of a bitch to have on your side right now. Yes. Who You can say, hey, dude, just like go out to your compound and film some stuff because we can't have no wrestling matches right yeah, now. Yeah, you and Senior Hardy just hop on the mower of lawns and yell action. See what happens. Lay hole of ass. God, that was so funny. Oh, that was so good. And then this week, they continued the role. We saw Vanguard 1 show up at uh, Le Champion's compound, and then Chris Jericho 
released the hounds on Vanguard One. Like, I know the sentence I just said, like, if you were not a fan of wrestling or you weren't paying attention at all to AEW, you're like, okay, Landon's having a stroke. He's talking in nonsense. But that was one of the most fun segments I've seen in so long. It was great. Uh, or, Or even if you watch AEW, but you... Or like me, and up until a few weeks ago, you had never seen an episode, and when I mean episode, I mean three and a half minutes of, of Matt Hardy's uh, brain on acid. Uh, on By the way, he's the... sober right now. He is he is sober. This is what's coming from his mind. <laughs> <laughs> on Free the Delete. But yeah, try, Jericho trying to get Vanguard 1 to join the inner circle. I think you're, you're a piece, piece of, of shit, shit but you're at it. <laughs> um. That's exciting. In the near term, though, uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I am excited for this TNT Championship belt. We'll circle back around to the name, but that excites me to have another belt and to have something because AEW and this, look, this is always a strength. When you have young guys, it's just like any other entertainment or sports property. When you have young talent, the sky's the limit, but you have to develop them. You can't just take uh, an MJF, an Orange Cassidy, uh, a Sammy Guevara, a Darby Allen, and just make them the face of your company and give them the, the, the world championship because they're the most over guy right now. And so I'm excited to have this tool to be able to build up these uh, young guys and I'm not gonna lie. I'm a suck. I'm a sucker for a good uh, wrestling tournament. Speaking on how excited we are for a wrestling tournament, let's talk about the brackets. They were revealed over uh, this week's Dark and Dynamite, respectively. In one matchup, we got Cody taking on Sean Spears, a continuation of that storyline. Speaking of a continuation of a storyline, Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen will match up again. I believe those matches are scheduled to take place on the April 8th edition of Dynamite. On the April 15th edition of Dynamite, we have Dustin Rhodes taking on Kip Sabian and then in the other matchup we got Boom Boom Colt Cabana taking on the Murder Hawk monster Lance Archer who by the way did make his AEW in-ring debut against Marco Stunt and looked like a freaking monster oh my god did you see Marco on Twitter this morning? Because I follow Marco on Twitter because he's I've, a great follow. I follow him, but I did not see him this morning. No, he, he tweeted, okay? I'm sore this morning, and I don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah, because Lance, Lance Archer decided to chokeslam him out of the ring and then throw him over a barricade into the waiting arms of Billy Gunn and Orange Cassidy. Man, <laughs> Lance Archer looks like a monster, and especially with his pairing of Jake the Snake Roberts, I think Lance Archer could do some really, really big things in AEW, and that's part of the reason why there's there's another man I come down to in these in this eight, but this individual and Lance Archer, I keep flip-flopping back and forth who's going to end up being the inaugural TNT Championship. Yeah, the TNT championship. I, I, I said yesterday, uh, after I saw the bracket, because I didn't know exactly who all would, would be in it, uh, I've made a couple different predictions and, and then what the the way the bracket is and who would meet in what round. Uh, I, I do think there's a uh, good chance that it is uh, Lance and Cody, because I thought, hey, perhaps MJF will be 
in this tournament, and then that's a natural segue to to Cody uh, MJF too. But MJF is not a participant, and that makes sense because he has the dynamite diamond ring, uh, which they haven't used in the same in the same sense that they use a, a title belt. But I think that might be something worth exploring down the line. Um, so now I'm gonna. I think, look, my heart really wants this to be a trial balloon for Darby Allen to see how he handles being a champion because I think he is the biggest rising star in AEW, and that really says something because there's a lot of rising stars in AEW. Uh, but you would not disappoint me if the championship of this tournament, which is, by the way, supposed to be at double or nothing, correct? Yes, uh, it is scheduled to take place at May 23rd's Double or Nothing. As of if you, now, if if one of the co-main events of the evening was Cody Rhodes, the Nightmare Family with the coach Art Anderson, versus the Murder Hawk, uh, Lance Archer, and and Jake the Snake Roberts, and you just decided you were going to pour all that gasoline on the bonfire that is a professional wrestling title match and the culmination of a uh, tournament, uh, dude. I would pay fifty. I would pay fifty fifty nine ninety nine just to watch that, and then you can charge me another forty bucks for the rest of the rest of the card. <laughs> That's a good way to go with it. Uh, but I'm curious what they will do if there will be a swerve uh, in there because if you remember back to the tag tournament, I don't think anybody probably expected the young bucks to do the job to put private party over. Mm-hmm. The first but team they out did. of the tournament too. But they did, and look what that did for private party. The situation you just laid out where Cody goes through his part of the bracket, Lance Archer goes through his part of the bracket, and then we do get that payoff to the storyline at Double or Nothing. I, Hearing you say that, I do think that's probably the smartest route to go with. But that other person that I teased, you you made mention to, is Darby Allen Because I do think that Darby Allen is the biggest star that AEW has made. Now, let me clarify that. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, they were all stars. Chris Jericho, they were all stars before they came to AEW. Darby Allen was a good indie worker, but I feel like his performance on AEW and the spot that they've put him in, that makes him AEW's first homegrown star, at least in my opinion. I could be vastly wrong in that, but that's just my opinion. And I I do think seeing Darby get the, get the initial crack at the TNT Championship, I do think that could be cool. But with everything you just laid out, with the story AEW's told with Jake Roberts, with Cody, with Lance Archer... I do feel like the smart money is going to end up with that being the final for this tournament. And uh, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. TNT Championship. Rab, what are your feelings on the name? Because it's it's kind of growing on me, question mark. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it's cool. It carries a lot of weight. But you're not always going to defend that belt on TNT. That's just kind of mm-hmm. like... As I don't know if you know this about me or not, I am one of the biggest Rob Van Dam marks in the history of the world. Like, if you ask me my top five favorite professional wrestlers, the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam's going to be on that list. And this yeah, is you even don't smoke an ounce of weed. What the hell? This is <laughs> this is good. This is even coming from a kid who 
just saw bits and pieces of ECW for what, like the seven seconds it was on TNN. I just always liked Rob Van Dam. And what was he known for? That TV championship, right? Mm -hmm. In ECW. That said, I'd much rather it be something more generic that's not tied into a brand because this is basically creating a TV championship because you're calling it the TNT belt without calling it the TV championship because that's the old uh, thing to do in wrestling and, it, and it's played out. Um, it's it's kind of like, you know, they had the X division in TNA, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't mean anything. This is, I don't want to say this belt doesn't mean anything because the people make the belt. The belt don't make the people. I, I firmly believe in that. Um, I'd almost rather it be called the U.S. or Intercontinental or American something, I don't know, something than the TNT Championship. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to care. You give me a good storyline, I'm going to be interested in it. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, I do real quick want to say, I hardcore disagree on your stance on the TNA X Division title. Back when I was a weekly watcher of TNA, the X Division was the best damn part of the oh, show. Oh, it was, but like, <laughs> at the, no, what I mean is, okay, so the not to get down this rabbit hole too far, but like the X Division <laughs> was just the X Division. Like anybody could be in it. There were no weight limits. Yeah, the uh, only they, rule for the X Division was there are no rules. Or there are no limits, or something like that. TNA crossed the line, and they had that. They had that really. They had that really cool. What the? I don't even know what the match was called, but the Ultimate X. The Ultimate X match was 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 really cool, and and all that. I guess it's good not to paint yourself in a box with too many rules about a secondary championship because you want to be able to put it on whoever you want to put it on, mm-hmm. but. With all the international influence, I'm kind of surprised that there's not, there wasn't like maybe like, and especially because AEW has a lot of smaller guys in a junior heavyweight division. Uh, Oh, I actually kind of love that suggestion because like when we've talked about in the past, like a secondary title, my first thought was the TV title. But like you mentioned, it's like when you call it a TV title, you only you kind of paint yourself into a corner where it's only being defended on TV. And for a federation like AEW that has such a big online presence, my immediate thought was, I don't know if that'll work. But on the flip side, wrestling rules only apply when they need them to apply. So and and look. Dark is on the internet, but I would consider Dark to be a TV show, and I would have I have a good feeling that when they get into this next cycle of the contract with TNT, that Dark is going to be on TNT. Yeah, that that feels like a safe a safe assumption. Excuse me. So I don't know. I also like a nod to the territory days because you would have the world champion like Ric Flair would be the. NWA world champion, but there would be a Mid-South heavyweight champion. There would be a Southern heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. There'd be an American heavyweight champion. Each promotion had their uh, champion. But look, like I said, the belt doesn't make the people. The people make the belt. It could be the it could be the the near fall radio championship. Ooh, I and love it. If AEW. You, if you're listening, I totally sign off on this. If you put it <laughs> if you put it on Darby Allen or Colt Cabana or Cody Rhodes or whatever. Uh, I mean, heck, the Intercontinental Championship, which some people look at as like a joke now, like back in the 80s when it was uh, Macho Man. That or, was the worker title. That was the worker or, or Steamboat or whoever. 
some of those matches were bigger than the the heavyweight championship. So, you know, it's about what you do with it, not exactly what you call it, but I didn't think it was especially creative. Yeah. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and and and, and I do think you're right. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what it's called if if the stories they tell are good. But at the same time, and 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 I think if the WWE didn't already have Intercontinental title, just so like brand name recognition, I think AEW might have thought about going down that route because New Japan also has an Intercontinental title that Shinsuke Nakamura very famously carried uh, for a while in uh, the last decade. But at the same time, it's like, like you said, it's just a name, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as the stories that they tell are good. And I, lo- I love what you said. It's not the title that makes the performer. It's the performer that makes the title. And I think with the roster that AEW has, the eight participants that they've entered into this inaugural tournament, I do think whoever ends up being the first ever TNT champion, I do think is going to be uh, a, a good uh good performer and I do think they will have a lot of good stories to tell with that title. All right, we've had a bunch of bunch of big debuts in ring. We've already talked about Lance Archer murdering uh Marco Stunt. What are your th- and and you've said that you are digging Brody Lee uh kind of running the uh the dark order. 2 weeks in I'm a big Brody Lee fan and I'm a big Dark Order fan, but it hasn't hit me like I'd hoped it had. I'm not ready to bail on it and I'm not saying they're doing a bad job. I think they're doing a different different uh, spin on it than some people were doing. But the whole like veiled shots at Vince McMahon to me kind of take me out of it. Am I alone in that, Rab? Okay, I wouldn't know. Again, I'm not... I'm not uh... Uh, poo-pooing Brody Lee, uh, a.k.a. what was his name in WWE? Uh, Luke Harper. By the way, Luke phenomenal Harper. in-ring worker. And, yes. and the few times WWE gave him the stick, he was great behind it. And we're seeing that in w- or in AEW excuse me, as well. I guess what I, I don't know if I'd say I'm super digging it because like you, I, I haven't really, the vignettes haven't been uh, great yet. I guess I just, I know his potential. Because, I, look, I know if you're good enough to get into WWE and then even if they don't use you, I think you learn a lot about the uh, you learn a lot about the business in WWE. And so I know he has good potential and I know they have big plans for the Dark Order. I, I think why I, I like the way it played out. I think we both agree there would have been potential uh, for Matt Hardy leading the Dark Order. To, to take a lot of the oxygen away from Uno and Grayson. And to an extent, the Dark Order was a concept that they had kind of developed in the indies, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, I don't want those two to get poo-pooed on. Because they're very good heels. And it's important to have in that tag division when you have so many factions that people like. Because they're kind of face-happy. In the tag division, you need you need groups like the Dark Order, and I could told you can buy, and it, it makes sense, and it doesn't seem like bull or a stretch that Stu Grace and Evil Uno could be your tag champs at some point. And also, just like when you think something's going to happen, and then something else happens, because we had all pretty much figured out that Matt Hardy was going to be the exalted one, and mm-hmm. AEW did a good or did a good job of playing to that, and then it's like you know. April Fool's, no, he's not. Here's Brody Lee. (laughs) 
So I just kind of I liked I liked that we were able to I say we I say we I don't work for AEW but the collective was able to pull one over on the the IWC because I, I like when they're wrong. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, it seemed like me, you, and the rest of the internet w- internet was convinced that the exalted one was going to be Matt Hardy. But Matt Hardy did show up on that AEW Dynamite, but also Brody Lee did as well earlier, taking that Exalted One spot. I, I kind of dig the last couple weeks of vignettes. I, I, I will admit the Vince McMahon shots kind of make me roll my eyes. But then again, when Cody was the throne breaker, that made me roll my eyes because it's like that's some TNA stuff right there. But like. I kind of like the fact that it seems like at least for the first two weeks, Brody Lee is going to be like taking the jobber self-improvement dark order concept that we'd been presented to now he's going to run it like a business and he's going to almost be cutthroat and, and his followers are going to be cut from that same cloth. Now, I don't know if that's the route they're taking, but just based on the last two weeks with the vignettes that he's done, that kind of maybe seems like the route they're going. I love the potential of Brody Lee, and I've been a big fan of the Dark Order. Now, I'm not going to say since the inception because there was a rocky start, but I do think the Dark Order as a concept really has started to find its footing before Brody Lee debuted. So I, I'm excited to see what AEW and all these performers are going to do because I do feel like there is some potential for some really good stuff. Uh, but... Also, they got to tweak his gear. I just do not like the gear that they have Brody <laughs> Lee in. Like, it's just like, like there's something about it. I'm like, nope, this just does not work. But they can they can tweak that later. I'm excited to see where they go uh, in the future because it really does seem like the Dark Order does have a big future with the plans of AEW. And uh, real quick, we've gone long in our AEW block. John Moxley taking on Jake Hager in a, I believe it's a, uh, well, it's obviously going to be an empty arena, but I believe it's also a no holds barred match for the AW championship. Rab, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of uh, good to introduce someone else new for John Moxley to uh, feud with because I, I, this was probably in the plans anyway because Jericho was going to step back a little bit. Uh, but I don't think you want to overexpose um, and, and have everything revolve around in the AEW universe, Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, Not the, that they shouldn't be focal points and be involved, but I can get just as much enjoyment out of... Uh, Cody working to build up the young guys through the TNT tournament and then uh, Jericho screwing around with, with Matt Hardy in Vanguard 1 You're a piece of shit Vanguard and then let John Moxley and Jake Hager tear the crap out of each other and also say this I saw someone because uh, I will watch the program and then in preparation for the show I just like to solicit other opinions so I'll go read reviews of the program and I saw Bleacher Report questioned why would you go ahead and rush uh, a Moxley uh, Hager title match that and, and put that on TV in two weeks uh, when you could save it for a pay-per-view. I actually like that AEW doesn't save all their good stuff for pay-per-views. So I'm all for this. Um, 
And if you've listened to AEW Unrestricted, Tony, Ta- Tony Khan actually mentioned that. Like, hey, it's great if we can, you know, go do a pay-per-view four times a year and sell out the arena and sell, you know, however many hundred thousand buys they get on pay-per-view. But that's not the industry anymore. The money's in television. Uh, so I'm excited for this. I, I, you know. Everybody likes John Moxley. He's been over since day one. He showed up at Double or Nothing uh, last May. Crazy believe that's almost a year now. Oh my god! How is that uh, and we all know that that Jake Hager, aka Jack Swagger, uh, is a bona fide badass. Not only from his WWE days, but he's an MMA champion. And uh, this is an intriguing match because I do think Jake Hager has that uh, top of the card uh, potential. So it's a chance to build him up while extending the storyline uh, of the inner circle because you know they're going to be involved in it. Oh, absolutely. And on the last episode of uh, Dynamite, Jericho gave an interview about how he is pulling for Hager to win the AEW championship because that will just mean that the inner circle once again is the AEW champion. Uh, and uh, Sammy Guevara was in that same package, talked about how they are a united front. If one of them is the champion, they are all the champions. So we're going to see everybody involved. And like y- y- you already mentioned, uh, Bleacher Report was questioning putting this match on free TV. I mean, okay, sure, but I do have a few caveats with that. I mean, you mentioned the interview with Tony Khan. With the way AEW set up right now, they're only running four pay-per-view events per year. And yes, I do think Jake Hager has some top-of-the-card uh, star power. Yes, I do think he is a main eventer. But when you only have four pay-per-view main event slots a year, I don't know how much a John Moxley, Jake Hager match is going to move the needle for the AEW crowd, for that crowd that is kind of over the WWE style. Now, granted, both those contestants are vastly different from what they were during their time with the WWE. But at the same time, like Jake Hager and John Moxley versus like John Moxley and Kenny Omega or John Moxley and Pac again, or hell, I would, I would love to see John Moxley. Well, I'm not going to say John Moxley and Trent is in a main event spot, but hell, they, they had a fantastic match on this week's dynamite, but it's like on a dynamite main event, this is a perfect matchup. And I'm excited to see what, uh, what they do. And I'm excited to see the continuation of that storyline because in that, uh, in that package that I referenced earlier, Jericho did mention he does have a rematch with John Moxley, but he's not going to call for it yet. So this is not the end of the John Moxley inner circle story. I'm just excited to see what the next chapter is after what's probably going to be a brutal, brutal match between Mox and Hager. And look, that's why it's smart. John Moxley's probably not dropping the strap in in a couple weeks. Whenever this match happens, I would or be whenever this match is aired, huh? I would be stunned if Moxley. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's not. Dro- he's not dropping the strap. But that's what that's what sets AEW apart from the WWE in a good way. Is I can remember back in my childhood, or even when we were in college in the first run in Earfall Radio at, at, at the station watching. Uh, Monday night uh, raw and there would be a title match and it would be it could be Cena versus whoever uh, his heel in the way was or the heel had the belt and they'd have a title match but you knew they weren't going to drop it and you knew there was no there yeah because lol Cena wins (laughs) gonna find a way either Cena was going to win 
or the heel would get DQ'd or something like that. Like, at least you present this, and the odds are Moxley's probably going to win. But Hager represents a legitimate challenge. It's not insulting to the the viewer for to to have this match and be like, oh well, that guy doesn't deserve that. They're just stalling because they're trying to get to the pay per view at the end of the month and and have the rematch because that's what the WWE, especially when Teddy Long was the GM of SmackDown, is all about rematches and tag team matches. Hold up, player, you gonna be in one on one match with the Undertaker. Sorry, I had to. Anytime Teddy Long's name is is mentioned, you have to either mention to Undertaker or holla, holla, holla. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I, I like the AEW approach to that, that dynamite is important, that you will have title matches, that titles will change hands on dynamite. Again, I don't think John Moxley is probably losing to Jake Hager, but it does further that storyline. If John Moxley escapes by the skin of his teeth, but Jake Hager beats the crap out of him, What's to say the next week Jericho doesn't try to cash in on a title shot? Well, you Jericho's I, I, already said he's not going to invoke his rematch clause as long as uh, the fans are banned by him, by the way, from uh, attending AEW events. It's not the government. It's Le Champion, or excuse me, former Le Champion Chris Jericho, who has forebode the AEW fans from coming to see AEW. So you know, Le hole of ass. Exactly. What a what a what a hole of the ass. So uh, yeah, things are sunny side up, at least in our opinion, in the world of all elite wrestling. But when we get back from the break, we are going to talk about the granddaddy of them all. In name only this year, possibly. We're going to look at WWE's much maligned WrestleMania 36 on the other side. You're listening to Nearfall Radio right here on the Butt Month Chips Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail. And Samantha Monorail. Every Monday morning, along with our kids. Not always. But sometimes. We take you back to the happiest place on earth with news. Upcoming events. Sometimes rumors. And tasty treats. (laughs) Of course, tasty treats. We even occasionally help you plan your next trip to the Walt Disney World Resort. Every episode, now including a Disney deep dive with the Dawes with Landon, the Dawes Dome. So listen and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And enjoy the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. Welcome back here. You're listening to Nearfall Radio. I am Landon Doan. He is Will Rabb, and you are the lovely listener. Thank you so much for joining us along this ride because uh, 
We, Rab, are at the doorstep of some wrestling history. Not only are we on the doorstep of the 36th edition of the Granddaddy of Mall, the biggest stage in professional wrestling, WrestleMania. Not only is this the first time Mania is going two nights, this is also the first time that Mania is going fanless. And uh, wow, what a card and what a build. Before we even get to the card, do we want to talk about all the people and performers that have had to drop out along the way we could start there or we could start with the fact that uh again the significance that this is a pre-recorded uh fanless uh, wrestlemania and kind of uh come back to what i touched on uh earlier on in, in the the opening segment um Again, Island may not have much of a choice because it might be September before you can have fans in an arena. It kind of bums me out that WrestleMania is just going to be a fancy two-night episode of uh, Monday Night Raw. It, it, it really does feel weird, and I, I do give WWE a lot of credit for, A, not only soldiering on, I don't know if that's the decision I would have made, but not only are they soldiering on, they are trying to make the best of these fanless uh interactions but yeah they are just like some very weird stuff and it's like especially for a show like mania this would be like the nfl being like okay we can't play the super bowl uh on super bowl sunday so we're gonna record it on a tuesday night and we're not gonna tell you how it ends and then we're gonna air it on super bowl sunday i mean like this is freaking wrestlemania and I understand that we are in uncharted waters with this whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And we're like day by day, we're trying to figure out what we're doing next. But it's like, like I said, it's like, I do appreciate the fact that WWE is soldiering on because I'll be honest. It's like, I, I will, I will gladly admit I need me a distraction. And even though I haven't been as big on the WWE product as I have been in previous years, I'm kind of looking forward to WrestleMania just because it's like in a world where we're approaching like like several weeks without sports and we're looking at a calendar for several more weeks without sports and here we have the Super Bowl professional wrestling. Is it going to be on the scale that it normally is? No. Is it going to have all the spectacles that it normally has? No. Is it going to have all the stars that it was initially scheduled for this show? No. But at the same time, like... I know this is going to sound like a cop-out, but in, in a situation where the world's on fire, I do find a small solace in the fact that WWE has found a way to put on WrestleMania in whatever situation it's being presented in. I, I give... I, there, there's a part of me that gives them some credit. You know, the, the, the whole show must go on, you soldier on, you find a way. Uh, I... I uh, respect and I, I embody that uh spirit but i'm also uh, guessing find part a way. of you feels like why in the hell you carnies are you doing this? yes i also <laughs> I feel that, that way in too in the most loving way possible but because i also have those feelings as well it's like why is this going on Dude, especially like you mentioned and you know, the the card on, on Wikipedia hasn't even been completely updated to reflect this. Some of these matches uh, aren't going to happen because guys and gals have had to uh, pull out. And I guess probably the biggest name who's had to back out of WrestleMania is Roman Reigns. And look, rightfully so. 
Yeah, there's absolutely no question that Roman Reigns is the biggest name that's pulled out of Mania. And like you said, rightfully so. Roman Reigns just recently, well, recently is a relative term, but just recently came back from a bout of leukemia. So he is in that group that is at high risk for this coronavirus. So I don't blame him for backing out, but at the same time, it's like, okay, that was one of your big marquee matchups and... Now that's not happening, and as of as of recording again, Thursday, April 2nd, WWE is still advertising Goldberg defending the title against Roman Reigns. Now, Triple H, in interviews he's given on ESPN, said they will write him out in a very creative way, so I'm confused that WWE, outside of their product, is acknowledging Roman's going to miss Mania, but inside the product, it's been... Wait, no, all of this is in the, in the can, so that might be the issue that they're running into. Uh, I'll, I'm going to rattle off the other participants that have had to back out. Uh, Andrade, this past Monday, it was announced he has a back injury, so he's being pulled from Mania. If this was any other year, this would be the biggest wrestling story in the world right now. Uh, a performer of Andrade's talent missing Mania the week of, but unfortunately, we're living in a different time. Uh, the Miz has been pulled due to illness, and there's some reports that he was uh, at a WWE SmackDown taping and dealing with this, so we'll be interested to hear what comes from that. Dana Brooks, Rey Mysterio have pulled out of the event. Uh, they put themselves in quarantine, and then rumor is Murphy has also uh, been pulled from this year's event, but I mean, like, those are six superstars, and quite a few of them are big dadgum names, especially for a show like WrestleMania, not to mention the fact that we already talked about Roman Reigns being positioned for a shot at the Universal title, which, man, if you thought ta taking the strap off of The Fiend was a bad idea initially, boy, do I have a story to tell you. But, oh, yeah, as it stands right now, 16 matches that we'll go through and point out where Wikipedia is wrong. Um, Rab, do you want to start at the bottom of this, or do you have any more thoughts? It's just going to be interesting to see what they do uh, with this, because some of these matches aren't going to happen. Not that they don't have enough talent to be able to put a match together, but like, yeah, like you said, uh, sixteen matches on the card. Let's just run through it, and you and, and you catch me if I miss something. Because again, like I've already said, the the WWE. Uh, may has disenfranchised me or made me disenchanted with their product and I don't pay particular attention to it closely which is interesting because I do a wrestling podcast <laughs> but I can analyze I, you know I can, I can still have an opinion on on general directions things are going I get my enjoyment out of AEW if I'm going to okay, real quick, real two quick, hours of my time before we get into the WWE stuff you just said that you're the disen uh, disenfranchised fan, used to be a fan, not so much anymore. Even though it's mania season, does that do anything for you? I mean, if I was in... I, okay, I would if it wasn't this year's mania, would it do anything for you? <laughs> if you could promise me it was going to be four hours, I would tune in. Well, they can't uh, promise you that. Oh yeah, they can't promise you that. I don't know. I, I might think about it, but also at the same time, knowing I haven't watched it, I might not say it's it, it's worth it. it it's intriguing this year because it's free. I'm not going to lie. 
but on in, in general, I don't have a reason, even though I would like to go back and watch a lot of the old matches. I, there, there's not a lot that makes me say, oh, yeah, I need to pay that $9 a month in the WWE Network. Which, by the way, uh, the WWE Network is free while we're recording this, but I do think in typical Vince McMahon fashion, their free period ends on Saturday. So if you do want to watch WrestleMania 36 over Saturday and Sunday night, I do think you are going to have to put up the $9.99 or find a new email address and get another 30-day trial. Not that I'm advocating that. I cannot emphasize uh, enough. That's interesting because they're advertising on the website um, that WrestleMania is free this year. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, um, honestly, you if, can still, if, if, if that's the move that they make smart on WWE, because right now, I mean, like I said earlier, everybody is looking for an escape. Everybody just wants like four freaking hours away from this waking hellscape that we're living in. And you know what? If Vince McMahon and his cavalcade of big dudes and ladies and stretchy pants, fake fighting each other, want to put on their Super Bowl for free over two nights, God bless you, you crazy, crazy bastard. Well, I will say this too. You can also buy the pay-per-view uh, through uh, foxsports.com, and that yeah. is not free. That no, is like 59 dollars Yep. Mm-hmm. You so will pay I, full price. I guess what they're figuring is some people will watch it on the network. Some other suckers will Google WrestleMania and see watch it on Fox, and they'll pay $60 because they think they don't have a choice. Uh, anyway, let's get into the card. Yes, because uh, it, it is 16 matches. We're going to start at the bottom and uh, work our way to the top. Uh, we got Otis versus Dolph Ziggler, and in Dolph Ziggler's uh, corner is Mandy Rose. Rab, as somebody who has not watched WWE programming, I will give you $5 for your synopsis of the Otis and Dolph Ziggler feud. Hey, good luck with that, because I don't know what it is, but I know who Dolph Ziggler is. <laughs> oh, man, I was hoping you were just going to go, like, off the cuff. I would no, I would have been like five bucks. No, no, no. That would have been no, good. Here's what, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm not like Tyler Ivins, who faked his way through an entire Star oh, Wars bracket oh, the other day on the starting lineup and was, like, talking about how great this movie and that movie is. It's like, dude, I know you didn't watch them. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not. I'm not going to read. I'm not. Here's what I'm not going to do. On the Survivor Series kickoff pre-show, Heavy Machinery participated in interbrand tag team battle royal <laughs> that was won by Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Blah 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 blah. The following week, Ziggler challenged Otis to a match at WrestleMania. Did you find? I'm not that disingenuous. <laughs> That's great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I was hoping for a half-assed uh, story <laughs> of Otis and Dolph Ziggler, and you did not disappoint. Um, no. See, they're they're mad because Otis. <laughs> no, I can't even make. I can't even make that joke. I was gonna make a cor- I was gonna make a pandemic joke, and that's just not. Good. Oh yeah, that's in bad taste, Rab. As as somebody who was born on on April first, I am the king of April Fool's Day. I don't know if you if if you were aware, we canceled the event yesterday. So so none of those shenanigans. We'll revisit it next. I year. was really I was really hoping we'd wake up yesterday, and there'd be a worldwide like April Fools. This is not really a pandemic, <laughs> but man, that would have been amazing. You have been punked. 
You know, that would have been the only time I think I would have been cool seeing Ashton Kutcher come busting out of my bathroom at 4.40 in the morning. But <laughs> anyway, Otis, who is a big, fat, lovable doofus, much like yourself, uh, was making some connection with Mandy Rose. And then on the Valentine's Day version of SmackDown, because nothing says romance like WWE programming on Valentine's Day, uh, there was some miscommunication and Dolph ended up going on the date with Mandy. And now Otis is mad. And I'm going to say Otis wins because, damn it, I need something to smile about as a big, fat, lovable doofus, Rab, who's your pick and why? (laughs) Dolph Ziggler, because I know who he is. Okay, I can't (laughs) argue with that. Uh, The next match is for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Yes, those do still exist, and they are still held by the Kabuki Warriors of Asuka and Kyrie Sane, defending against Bliss Cross Applesauce, Alexa Bliss, and Nikki Cross Rab. Once again, $5. What's the synopsis of this food? Or feud, damn it. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors are the champions, and Bliss and Cross want to be the champions. Ah, uh, well, hell, talk about your all-time backfires. I guess I owe you $5. Uh <laughs> I'm not positive that this match is going to happen because there have been some reports that Kyrie Sane has been dealing with some travel issues. Now, of course, Mania's in the can, so maybe she was able to work this out beforehand. I'm not positive this match happens, but if it does, I do think we get new women's tag team champions in Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I mean, how could you not root for Bliss Cross Applesauce? Like, that's just, like, undeniable. By the way, that's not their official name. That's just a name that me and some of the people on the internet have started calling them because, again, how can you deny Bliss Cross Applesauce? I mean, it's not any dumber than how the Young Bucks got their name. (laughs) The guys who booked them at this indie show didn't know what their name was. Ah, just have those Young Bucks work a tag match against these dudes. Damn. That is like some Spider-Man, Sam Raimi level stuff, but that's a whole different podcast and we're already running long on time and we still have 97 matches for WrestleMania. So here's an idea. Maybe we don't need, maybe you don't need to ask me for my synopsis of every match. Just oh, saying. so much fun because it is fun because I can <laughs> Okay. Okay. For the Intercontinental Championship, it is Intercontinental Champion Sami Zayn with Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura in his corner, taking on Daniel Bryan with Drew Gulak in his corner. Rab, I feel like this is going to be a fantastic matchup. Sami Zayn, unfortunately, has not been able to perform to his full extent in the WWE, but he still is the IC champion, taking on one of the best in the world, Daniel Bryan. I think Bry gets the IC title here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sami Zayn retains. Regardless, I'm looking forward to a fantastic matchup. Yeah, you know you're going to get a good work rate out of these two. And then especially when you have the the involved parties on the outside there's the potential for chicanery so that could be a really uh fun match there absolutely and i like the one story on smackdown or rather one of the stories on smackdown that i've been most intrigued or most i guess you know paying attention to has been the story of drew gulak going to daniel bryan saying hey i see holes in your game and i can coach you up 
to improve yourself. And I love the fact that Daniel Bryan has been receptive to those suggestions on air. And like, I love the fact that Bryan reports have come out that he has handpicked Drew Gulak uh, to do a program with because he sees something in him that maybe management wouldn't have seen otherwise. So this is one of the matchups that I'm looking forward to the most when it comes to Mania Weekend. On the flip side, one of the matchups that I'm looking least forward to is Elias versus King Corbin. Of course, this comes after uh, King Corbin went all scar on Elias's Mufasa ass and threw him off of a ledge or something at the Performance Center last week on SmackDown. Maybe murdering Elias, but according to Wikipedia, they're still fighting at Mania 36. Rab, any thoughts on this dumpster fire of a match? Wait, so is Elias going to have those same special powers that, that dead Adam Cole has? <laughs> no, unfortunately, dead Adam Cole still exists in his universe. It's kind of like, you know, a legend. There can be only one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I, this is one of the problems that... I don't think I'm the only one who has with the WWE, and, and I get it. Like everybody wants their WrestleMania moment, and especially this year when they said, "Hey, it's going to be two nights." You knew they were going to come up with a way to use every single person. But this is a match that they added after they stretched it out to two nights. A match that they're building up on literal no build at all, and like. I don't know of any fan base that is clamoring to see either one of these participants fight, let alone against each other. Like, we've already talked about how there's 16 matches, well, scheduled matches, and it's already overblown. Like, why are you adding this one? I I just don't know. But yeah, much, much like you said, WWE, it's like, maybe more isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, good on them for giving their performers their WrestleMania paychecks, but damn... If this wasn't two nights, this was going to be a slog. It's still going to be a slog. What am I talking about? Yeah, is it, I, mean, I, think, I think we've said it all on this match, and it kind of uh, personifies one of the problems uh, within the, the WWE universe is <sighs> Vince and management can see the outside threat, so they'll just throw a lot of money at guys to try to get them to sign contracts. But then they don't have anything to do with them, so they just let them sit around. But then when they decide to do something with them, it's not create. It's not particularly creative either. By the way, if you want to hear an example of that, I know it's not cool to plug other podcasts on your own podcast. Check out Talk Is Jericho. The last two weeks, he's had Brody Lee and Matt Hardy on. Man, that Brody Lee interview, you want to talk about going to creative when it has nothing for you? That is that idea in a podcast. I'm not going to say personified because, you know, it's not a person. Uh, Another matchup that was recently added uh, over the last couple weeks, Aleister Black taking on Bobby Lashley with Lana. Apparently this match was added A because Lana does crazy numbers for them on YouTube. So WWE thinks that'll get him some eyeballs and two uh paul Heyman, who has been running raw over the last little bit is reportedly very big on alistair black so i'm gonna go with alistair black here because i think this is a match 
particularly set up to give him a big WrestleMania rub. Granted, going up against Bobby Lashley, I don't know if that's going to do anything to raise your profile, but still, a dominant win at Mania is still a dominant win at Mania. So, you know, like, it, it, it's going to be interesting because Aleister Black is cool. Rab, do you Look, know who it, Aleister Black is? I, I do. I do know who Aleister Black and Lana <laughs> okay, cool. and Bobby Lashley are. Is Lana still a a, a Preds fan? Yes, she is. But on TV, she plays a Russian inexplicably. I don't get it. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't know since since she had uh, separated herself from her, uh, you know, former. Uh, Boothang, if if she was still into the hockey team, buddy, that's um, that that's kayfabe. That's that's kayfabe. Okay. Anyway, yeah, Rusev hey, look, and Lana what, are still gonna make a bunch of beautiful babies. Okay, I was just making sure. Um, this is one of those matches that it, it just seems like, hey, this is on the card because we want to put a spot on the card. But at least they're trying to do something to benefit one of the participants in it. Uh, so. I think it'll be a good match, and that's kind of about all you can can say about it. Aleister Black's a cool dude. Bobby Lashley's a, a a good wrestler, and we'll see what happens. And you know, if Lana does a cool vlog, maybe she'll get some hits, and <laughs> we can cross pollinate, and she can vlog, and Sammy Guevara can vlog her back, and all that crap. Boom! There we go. Then it's then it's a world wrestling war. But uh, it's like. Like, I, I'm not going to go that far saying it's going to be a good match because, for like, Lashley is a great athlete, but for whatever reason, WWE is just, like, not really knowing what to do with him, at least in my opinion. Uh, Aleister Black does pick up the win in a match that will definitely happen. Uh, for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championship, it is your champions, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, the Street Profits, taking on what was supposed to be Angel Garza and Andrade, but... As we talked about earlier, Andrade has had to pull out due to a back injury, so kind of a surprising spot. They strapped a rocket to NXT star Austin Theory and inserted him into this matchup to be Angel Garza's tag team partner, of course, accompanied with Zelina Vega. Uh, I think the Street Profits retain here. Uh, they're very popular with the crowd, you know, when the crowd's there. Uh I think Austin Theory is going to have a good run with the WWE. The fact that they've already elevated him this fast, I think, is a good sign for him. Or it's a sign that he's a local and he can work when some people can't. But you know what? If that's his case, good on you for taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, Rab, thoughts on this match? Yeah, pretty much echo what you say. I think that's an important point to remember in both of these companies is sometimes we may wonder, hey, why is... You know, why is this guy uh, in this match or why is this guy in this tournament or this situation? Because uh, they might be the ones who are available, but you know what you do if you're that guy you ta- or gal, person? You take advantage of it. So uh, hopefully the young gun has a, a good showing, but uh, I like you You think that the, the champs retain here because the, the gimmick's over with the fans and if you can book it in the right way, you can have a, a really good match and everybody comes out uh, for the better because they all get some good rub off of one another. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I've I've heard of several NFL coaches say the best ability is availability. And Austin Theory has provided himself to be available in this situation. And 
from what I've seen on on his performances of NXT, uh, he and Tyler Breeze had a hell of a match last week on NXT. I was very impressed with what I saw from him uh, in that matchup and the handful of matches, or clips rather, I've seen online of him. That said, it still feels a little bit too early to put a strap on him, especially on uh, Raw. Uh, next up is a match that I am like 99% sure is not happening. It's for your WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. It is scheduled to be a ladder match between the champions, The Miz and John Morrison, taking on the New Day of Big E and Kofi Kingston, and then Jim and Jay, The Usos. But... Reports have come out that The Miz has been pulled due to illness, uh, and I think the latest rumbling is that this is going to be for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team titles, a one-on-one ladder match between John Morrison and one of the Usos. There is so much going wrong with this scenario if this is how it plays out. Like, if, if the rumors... Proved to be true. Like, if this is what you had to work with, going back to what Rab said earlier, why are you having this match? Like, you went from a triple threat ladder match to now it's going to be a one-on-one matchup, meaning one of the teams is just straight up eliminated from the equation. And oh, by the way, it's a one-on-one matchup for tag team titles. Like, I just... I just don't get it. Like, like I'm sure John Morrison, well, hell, I know for a fact John Morrison on a ladder is going to be entertaining, and the Usos know their way around a ladder, whether it's Jimmy or Jay. And I like, I know we're going to have an oh my God moment, but it's just like, why is this matchup happening if this is what happens? Yeah, that just seems really stupid. Oh, this is flat. That's just flat out stupid. Like, why not just turn it into a number one contenders match? There's nothing wrong with that because for a few years they did that right at mania they had a money in the bank match oh yeah yeah money in the money in the bank was a mania staple until it grew to the point where it's like it's it ended up being one of the biggest you know events of the year and now it is one of the biggest pay-per-view events of the year because it's so, that so i mean event. just do that and you know if you really wanted John Morrison to to work with somebody, I mean, you're just pulling crap out of thin air anyway on other parts of the card. Find somebody for him to work against, you know, whatever. <laughs> but don't, I, I mean, that just shows you how little respect WWE has not only for tag team wrestling, but a freaking championship belt. And again, the people make the belt. The belt doesn't make the people. But you have to have a certain level of respect for the entity for it to be, you know, for it to matter. This is this shows this doesn't matter. We're just going to try to force feed you crap. And you'll like it because it says WWE on it. It's just stupid. All around stupid. I'm not going to go in as hard on them as... Maybe I should because this is a very extenuating circumstance and, you know, you have to, when your provisions are provisionless, you have to make do. But at the same time, I do think there is some truth to what you say. It's like with the way they view the tag team titles and there have been reports that Vince McMahon views tag team action as an afterthought, which is a damn freaking shame in my opinion. 
But it's like, I just like, I'm sure John Morrison and one of the Usos are going to have some really good flippy dippy stuff off a ladder. But like, why the hell is this for a tag title? But you know, whatever. I mean, I'm going to watch. I, mean, regardless, so. I don't want to. I don't want to get into fantasy booking, but there's so many things I can think to do. Okay, the the new day, like we said, the new day versus the Usos, number one contender. Oh my God, give or, me give me another matchup between the new day and the Usos. That has been the best tag team program since the year 2000. Give me more or, of them. Or, or here's what you do. Okay, so it's John Morrison. You pick a represent. Uh, you pick a representative of the New Day. Kofi Kingston. You know. Because last year at WrestleMania 35, he only beat Daniel Bryan for the damn WWE Championship. Yeah, and then you pick an USO, and you have a triple threat ladder match, and. If the New Day or the Usos can can beat Morrison, then they get a title shot here when the Miz is healthy. Or so there's so many things you could do. I mean, yeah, it's to not involve ideal, all but, the parties. But yes, absolutely, you can do something to involve all the parties. Also, I just had this realization: Dan, er, Kofi Kingston might go from winning the freaking WWE Championship at Mania last year to not even making the card. But we're going to give you Edge and Randy Orton one more time because oh, why oh, the hell not? Hold on, hold on. I'm actually okay with that, but but we'll 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 get to that. Just um, uh, moving on. We got Kevin Owens taking on Seth Rollins in what I hope is the payoff of a feud that's been going on. I think since Survivor Series, it's been going on for a while. I I think KO wins here there's been some reports Rollins is going to take some time off after Mania I don't know if that's true because there's some reports also that he could be next in line for the winner of the WWE Championship match I don't know what Rollins schedule looks like but I feel like the right move here is for Kevin Owens to pick up the victory maybe finally putting this feud to bed especially when Seth Rollins has lost the use of AOP due to injury, especially when Seth Rollins has lost Buddy, or excuse me, formerly Buddy Murphy, now just straight up Murphy, uh, due to pulling out. Uh, according to rumors, it's like I like like just just stop this damn feud. I'm t- I love both the performers, Kevin Owens more so than Seth Rollins. I just want to see them do something else. Uh, to to quote Will West, show me anything other than a former member of the Shield, and I will be happy. <laughs> yeah, and that that, that exclude that that excludes John Moxley. It's still guys. He wasn't in, part of the Shield. It was Dean wa- Ambrose. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, guys who are still employed by WWE who have anything to do with the Shield, meh. Will West was really out in front of this. Like, I feel like like a lot of internet people have caught up to where he was, but like. I remember like years ago, Will West being like, I'm just over all the shield guys. And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I, it's like Seth Rollins is a good in-ring worker. I like, I like the character to Dean Ambrose. And I think in the right handling Roman could be good. Well, unfortunately it doesn't seem like we're, we're getting any of those things that could play to those performers strengths. One, so much. So one decided to say, screw it. And went and went, became one of the biggest stars in all of wrestling and John Moxley. It's just like, Rollins in the ring is good, but it's just like with what WWE is doing, I'm just really not all that interested. So good on you, Will West, for being out in front of that. Um, Oh, holy Jesus. It's a boneyard match between The Undertaker and AJ Styles. 
Rab. What's a boneyard match? Oh, Jesus. Um, That is kind of up in the air right now. I've seen reports saying that it's going to be a buried alive match. They just don't feel comfortable calling it a buried alive match in the current situation we're in. I've also seen reports that it is going to be... Are you familiar with the Punjabi prison? Kinda. The big giant like cage that then had another layer of a cage that then had another layer of a cage on it. Uh, and it was all built of like uh, bamboo. Bamboo. Yeah. There's also a rumor out there that a boneyard match is going to be a Punjabi prison match. But instead of bamboo, the cages are made of plastic bones. To where it looks like the cages are made of bones. So, um, okay, so we don't want to call it a buried alive match because we're in a pandemic right now. We want to be sensitive. So we're gonna That's lock just- our contestants in cages made of bones. Yep. Okay. Cool. <laughs> are we sure we're not having a stroke? Just saying all this shit out loud. It's like, oh my god, what insanity is going on? I want the match. Give me the match, too. That's the th- the gift going around on the internet, right? Uh, of this, that's ba- I want the Undertaker, yeah. damn it. Give me the Undertaker. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. This isn't what I want. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, if you'd have told me three years ago, Undertaker, AJ Styles, WrestleMania, sign me the hell up. It's the phenom. It's one of the best professional wrestlers over the last few decades in AJ Styles. Like, like, I thought that would have been amazing, but, oh, man, this, oh, oh, man. Like, like even outside of the coronavirus situation, the booking where it's like they're having, like, shoot promos on each other. It's like AJ one week called Undertaker Mark Calloway and talked about his wife, Michelle McCool. Then the next week, oh, the Undertaker is calling AJ Styles Alan James or whatever the hell his real name is. It's like, why are we breaking kayfabe, especially with The Undertaker, especially on the lead up to the road to WrestleMania? Like, what the hell, man? Uh, Couldn't you just sum up the WWE? That's just their new tagline (laughs) they debut after WrestleMania. The WWE. Oh, what the hell? What the hell, man? By the way, WWE, if you want to license that take, holla at your boy. I am open to negotiations. No, no more than now forever. What the hell, <laughs> what man? What the hell, man? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and it's got and it, you gotta get you gotta get the guy from Squidbillies to do the voice. What the hell, man? No, screw that. WWE is already employing AJ Styles. When, and this is one of the funny things I love about AJ Styles as a heel. When he gets going, he really turns it up. And he starts talking like this, man. It's hilarious. <laughs> so just get AJ to freaking voice over it. But Jeez I mean, like, like, this should be a dream match. Freaking Taker versus the phenomenal one at Mania. And I mean, like, granted... They are, you know, their provisions are provisionless, so they're making do with it. I I think Taker wins here. I don't know if that's the right decision. I mean, like, neither one of these guys are going to be around realistically in five years. But, I mean, like, I, I, I guess Taker goes over here because he's Taker and he's going up against AJ Styles. It's like, I, hope for the I best, expect the worst. Okay, thank you, Rab. <laughs> Why? Like, can I just ask an honest question? Sure. 
maybe in this situation it's a bit extreme to question because if the Undertaker's available, the Undertaker's available. But in general, why are we why we still give a crap about challenging the Undertaker to a WrestleMania match when we just decided to blow that wad at WrestleMania 30 and have Brock go over? Uh, because that's one of the few cards that Vince in WWE knows will get them money. They've turned uh, Undertaker into a yearly spectacle. And it's like, I really feel like maybe Taker should have, I'm not going to say he should have gone out after he lost to Brock because he deals, he did still have some good performances, but it's like, uh, Taker after he lost to Brock, man, it's just like, like really losing the luster, especially at Mania. And it's like, yeah, cause there, there's no mystique anymore. No, the streak is there bad. ain't, but that didn't stop him from eating Bray Wyatt, unfortunately, or beating CM Punk. We're, we're not getting into that podcast. So we're going to be here until next WrestleMania. A fatal five-way, oh my God, elimination match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. It is your champion and mine, Bailey, defending against Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. Cool. This next is match. an elimination match. Oh my god! I think Sasha Bank wins, and they set up the Bailey Sasha match. That if in a perfect world we would have gotten this year. Yeah. Uh, moving on. This is actually a match that I'm really, really looking forward to. It's a Firefly Funhouse match. The Fiend Bray Wyatt taking on John Cena. And the reason I'm very excited for this match is, according to reports, they have gone quote-unquote full Hollywood in shooting this match. So that, to me at least, tells me they're going to be using cuts. They're going to find, you know, whatever works best for the dramatic effect, which I think works great for a character like The Fiend. And according to reports, John Cena has gone to bat and said, Everything that Bray says we need to work into this match because apparently Cena views this, rightfully so in my opinion, as Bray's baby. So it seems like Cena is willing to play ball and I think this is going to... Uh, the Fiend is going to be able to vanquish uh, the the demons or the ghosts, whatever you call them, of Cena beating him a few years ago at WrestleMania, which a lot of people, including The Fiend, say kind of killed his momentum I look forward to seeing The Fiend take on John Cena. And like I said, I think The Fiend picks up the victory here. Yeah, at first when I saw, oh, so John Cena's coming back to do a, a WrestleMania victory lap. I was like, oh, and this is what we're going to do with Bray Wyatt after we took the strap off of him oh, for no God. reason. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. But they've done a really good job, the bits and pieces I've seen, of, of building this up. And especially... it. When you, like you say, you have the gravitas of John Cena to go to bat. I mean, remember the WrestleMania? I think this was the one they did at the Citrus Bowl a few years back. I don't remember what number it was, but uh, Brodus was supposed to have his WrestleMania moment and they were going to cut it for time, but yep. then John Cena decided he needed to go take a dump. How much time do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Cena's a good dude and he's got, he's got that sway. And I think for the most part, he uses it in, in good ways to try to uh, make the best situation uh, out of the situation. So I look forward to that match. And I mean, if John Cena's going to bat saying, hey, we need to do what we need to do and we need to, you know, follow along with uh, Bray's creative vision, you'd have to think the Fiend's going over here. 
uh, and you got to applaud somebody as legendary for as John Cena, just like you applaud Daniel Bryan trying to build up Gulak. Uh, you applaud Cena for putting over the Fiend. Absolutely, and like especially coming off of the Fiend's loss to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia, like this is something that the character of the Fiend needs because I'll be honest, character wise, I don't know if the Fiend can take another big loss against John Cena, especially back-to-back on Goldberg, because if that's the case, guess what? The same thing that people were saying about Bray Wyatt back in the day is going to be applied to The Fiend. Yeah, he talks a good game, but as soon as he steps into the ring against a big guy, boom, he's looking at the lights, catching the one, two, three. Granted, The Fiend has been booked vastly different from Bray Wyatt, and it does seem like WWE is giving him some leeway. I just hope... They do listen to John Cena in this situation because I, I like I really feel like the only option they have is for the Fiend to go over on John Cena and like I said I'm looking forward to this matchup I think this is going to be shot like very few WWE matches we've ever seen before I think it's going to be very similar of uh, when Randy Orton went to go burn down uh, Bray Wyatt's cabin with sister abigail in and i think it's going to be very similar to the new day going out to the wyatt compound where they're obviously ripping off final deletion like i'm i'm very curious to see what wwe not only looks like in that type of matchup if they're going to turn it to 11 for an event like wrestlemania i'm excited for that uh we're going to move on to the top of the card with some of your main events. I'm going to say we have five, count them, five main events. Uh, first one we're going to talk about is for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. It is your champion in mind, Becky Lynch, closing in on a year as being the Raw Women's Champion, taking on Shayna Baszler, who has really made Becky look more human than she has over the last year. And... I think with the combination of the reign that Becky has had and with the way that I think Shayna is capable of being built up to be just a monster, I think it's time to move the strap off of Becky Lynch and crown Shayna Baszler as your new Raw Women's Champion. Yeah, because I kind of think maybe Becky Lynch, the champ being the man, maybe the gimmick's kind of getting a little stale. Oh, it's definitely getting a little stale. And this is coming from somebody who... WrestleMania... Like you say, is kind of the de facto season finale in the WWE, and you reset things, and the year begins anew. Uh, so I think that'd be a good move, and it just it always automatically kind of freshens things up when the champ loses, and then they're on their heels, and, and how do they respond, and where do they go from there? So uh, that's what I think about that one. Yeah, and I mean, like, Shayna Baszler, I feel like, is a monster that, at least in NXT, they've taken great care of cultivating and building up the right way. I'm a little hesitant to see what's going to happen to her on the main roster just because we've seen, well, excuse me, the former quote-unquote main roster. NXT is now a third brand, but you know what I mean. Like, we've seen so many, like, your ricochet. Ricochet, for crying out loud, has been relegated to being a jobber after being one of the most over things in NXT just because, hey, we got nothing for you here on Raw. So I'm hopeful, but at the same time, kind of looking at it a little sideways for Shayna Baszler. And plus, 
I think they need this match to be a success because WWE really does want to eventually build towards the WWE Four Horsewomen versus the MMA Four Horsewomen. Like, that right there is money. And good on WWE for staying away from that feud before all the participants are ready. But it's like, if WWE does want the most, I guess, cash-in value, they do need to start building up Shayna Baszler on the quote-unquote main roster, so to speak. Next up is going to be the um, reportedly happening WWE Universal Championship matchup. It is... Billy Goldberg taking on Roman Reigns. Scratch that. Um, Rab, are you curious as to what the reports as to what's going to happen? Yeah, I- I'm curious to see what they do here because they're still advertising it on the card. And, you know, uh, in there, there's the K there's the kayfabe reality. Uh where it's happening, and then you got Triple H saying, "Yeah, we're going to ride them out creatively." Mm-hmm. Maybe the matches are I, like I don't know. It, maybe it's already in the can. Uh, I I don't I I don't know. Uh, the WWE does some dubious things <laughs> uh, sometimes. Yeah, that's a very very fair way to describe it. All right, if you are uh, sensitive to spoilers for an event that's going to you know air the next couple days, uh, skip ahead a couple seconds or clicks, whatever. I. I don't know. Regardless, you've made it this far. I got your download. I really don't give a damn what you do. Uh, reports are that Braun Strowman is going to step into Roman Reigns' spot and challenge Goldberg. Short of that, I don't know who is the reported winner, but you know what? We talked about earlier the best ability is availability. And for whatever reason, WWE has just put one roadblock in front of another after another after another when it comes to making Braun Strowman a thing and making him a top guy screw it let's get crazy Braun Strowman beats Bill Goldberg to win the WWE Universal Championship at this at this year's Wrestlemania in front of literally nobody because like I like I have to think Goldberg wasn't planning around to stay for the long term like I have to imagine he agreed to win the title in Saudi Arabia and then drop it at Mania so maybe this is the time that they do try and make Braun Strowman a thing. Yeah. It, 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 it'll be interesting as a whole to see what happens on this card because some hands have kind of been forced. And if it is maybe like we're having a lot of wake-up calls right now uh, uh, across uh, platforms, uh, maybe it's a wake-up call for the WWE and they're kind of have their hand forced and then they realize, hey, this is okay and maybe once for good God we can get past, oh, well, Vince doesn't see it, so we can't do it. I don't understand how you can be a multi-billion dollar company and it all comes down, well, Vince doesn't understand it, so. That does seem kind of backward when it's, you know, a publicly traded company that makes millions and millions of dollars that literally everything starts and stops with one man's opinion, but I guess that speaks to the power that, Vince has. Uh, you made reference to this match earlier. It is a last man standing match. It's the returning edge taking on the Viper, the legend killer. Just a downright dirty dude, Randy Orton. Rab, I am looking forward to this matchup. Who you got? And this time I am going to ask you why. Uh, I think uh, I think Orton gets the win here. I just, 
I don't believe medically that Edge probably has a long run in him, and he probably had enough to be able to get in shape to come back and uh, be able to uh, do a run and 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 have a a, a mania uh, curtain call. Uh, and I also think that even though he's a little bit older, and there's a lot of other guys that uh, deserve a push too, there there's still a window to get a, a one good uh, run out of. Uh, Orton, and again with Edge, at any time, uh, you could have the the best laid plans, and they could go to waste because his injury could reoccur. So, well, I do want to say it does seem like all medical reports do indicate Edge is healthy, and I've heard rumors and reports that he does have plans to continue on with WWE past WrestleMania. Now that doesn't mean he's going to be there, you know, week in, week out on SmackDown or Raw or whatever, but he is going to go on that part-time schedule that I think a lot of us have become more familiar with over the last few years. And if his neck can, can hold up and his doctors give him the thumbs up and signing off, I think, I think we're going to see edge hold either the WWE Universal or the straight-up WWE Championship before the year's over, because I think Edge goes over here. I think Edge is going to start building a little bit of momentum because, like, I I don't know if he's going to go over and win all the titles, but I do think we are going to see the story of Edge getting to tell the end of his career on his own terms, because that was something that was taken from him. And as like I said, as of right now, it looks like medically... He's good to go, and he can continue to compete past Mania. So I am excited to see that, and I've loved the build of this. Like, the promos, like, Randy Orton not only is great in the ring, these past few weeks have shown you just how damn good Randy Orton is at every aspect of being a professional wrestler, specifically behind a microphone because he has sold this feud so well. And then before they stopped letting crowds come to view uh, WWE products live, Beth Phoenix gave a fantastic interview with Randy Orton. By the way, Beth Phoenix is Edge's real life wife. So like I am... I'm very much looking forward to seeing what these two contestants can do. And like this, this to me could is a dark horse candidate for match of the night, because I know at least for edge, he has sat on this for years and stewed and thought about everything that was taken from him. And this is what he's built up for. This is what all the rehab, this is what all the physical therapy, this is what all the hell he went through was for. Not only his comeback at the, at the Royal Rumble, which by the way, just thinking about it gives me goosebumps. Just such a powerful moment. But for him to come back at WrestleMania, yes, it's, it's not the WrestleManias that we've seen 1 through 35, but like this is still a big, big moment for Edge. And I just don't see there's any way that he doesn't go over here. And I look forward to more Edge. Sorry, I've rambled forever. I, I look forward to whatever Edge we can get because, again, I remember back in, in 2011, uh, that's, that was a, a time where I was a uh, weekly uh, viewer of WWE television, and I loved uh, that feud uh, that Edge was having. I thought they were building that good uh, with Alberto 
uh, Del Rio and what he was doing at the time. And I I remember that eerie feeling in my stomach uh, when they're fixing to throw the break and 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 Jerry Lawler's like, man, I wonder what Edge has to say. And knowing, hey, something serious is going on if Edge just shows up on Raw and announcing he had to retire and everywhere they went uh, with all that. And he is such a great performer. I think Randy Orton's a, a great per- performer. And oh, they're both all-time great performers. They're all-time ta- all, all greats, and you kind of see it a little bit because in this storyline, there is a little bit of that uh, Viper persona kind of coming back out of Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Maybe some shades of the legend killer too. Yeah, the I think I, th- I think that's kind of like that line that you kind of straddle the Viper legend killer type thing uh, with with Randy Orton. I think the WWE needs to learn how to lean back into and find a way. Look, I know they want to be PG. You can still be edgy and be PG and let these guys kind of have their eat strong personalities and, and play to their natural tendencies. And when you do that, you get magic because let's be honest, Edge and Randy Orton are just natural all-time greats. It's not a gimmick that makes those guys good. It's them that makes them good. So this, I, I agree with you. Uh, this has potential for match of the night because they've done a good job of, of building up uh, this story a, a, as you uh, surmised. And the crazy thing is in the build to Mania, this is the one feud or maybe one of the only feuds or matches, whatever you want to call it, that feels like it got a proper mania build, even through all of this uh, um, garbage that we as a world are going through. For Like somehow WWE has still found a way to make sure that Randy Orton and Edge feels like a big deal. So that's part of the reason I'm looking forward to this matchup. Like, I think these performers are going to try and kill each other. I hope they both stay safe, specifically Edge, because we just got you back, buddy, and we don't want to lose you again because you are just one of the best performers in the ring. I love watching you, but uh, yeah, I think Edge picks up the victory here. So let's head back up to the top of the card. It is time for your co-main event is for the WWE Championship. It is the reigning, defending, world heavyweight champion, Brock taking on Royal Rumble winner, Drew McIntyre. Um, If there's anybody that I feel bad for in this, I guess, COVID buildup to WrestleMania, it is Drew McIntyre because leading up to the Royal Rumble and the Rumble itself, and then the, the first, you know, couple bras after the Rumble, the crowd was really starting to get behind Drew McIntyre, and it really does feel like we were building towards a culmination of his crowning at WrestleMania when he defeats Brock Lesnar. I'm still picking we get a new WWE champion in Drew McIntyre, but I just feel bad for him because this is a guy that has history with the WWE. I mean, over a decade ago, he was declared the quote-unquote chosen one by Vince McMahon, and then for whatever reason, he flamed out through to uh, due to creative differences and some questionable booking, uh, went away, went on the indies for years, honed his craft, came back as a monster, just one of the best performers at what he does in the world in Drew McIntyre. And I just hate that the payoff is going to be probably him winning the WWE Championship in an empty performance center when 
it should have been in Raymond James Stadium in front of like 75 plus thousand people with every pyro in the state of Florida going off. I, I do think Drew wins here, but I hate that he has to win in these situations. And this is one of those matches where I go back and I say, okay, you still could have put on a card. And you could have put on a free card. And you could have gone to Fox and USA. And we could have had a trimal cast uh, on that in the WWE Network. And you, I don't care what you call it. But there's still a part of me that's like, dude, I don't care what you call this. This is not... Wrestling in the Performance Center is, is not WrestleMania. But I agree with you. I, to see Drew, Drew McIntyre go uh, from... I remember what was the faction with him and the other jobbers. They're they a had. three man band. It's three MB, baby. Three man band. Three MB. Oh my god. Who were just like an absolute joke. <laughs> Which, by the way, they are such a joke. They have gotten cult status to this day. Like Drew McIntyre himself said, he would love a three MB reunion. Which it would be hilarious <laughs> if he ends up beating Brock Lesnar. 3MB would be champion Drew McIntyre, champion, I can't believe I'm saying this, Jinder Mahal, and then Heath Slater. Sorry, Heath, nothing for you there, Bubba. The jobber faction could have two of the three being world heavyweight champions. That, that, would, uh, that would be something. But They truly are a three-man band. It would be a great payoff for McIntyre. I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh you know, and it is going to uh, hopefully be a good match because it's going to get the spotlight. Uh, it's going to get that 30, 40 minute WrestleMania main event uh, slot. And, and I just, I don't see a reason why this is not the spot for McIntyre to go over because isn't it time for Brock Lesnar to go like flip hay bales in North <laughs> Dakota for like six months? Well, nobody really truly knows what Brock Lesnar does in his free time because nobody I do. Nobody's brave enough to ask that. No, he's a he's, no, a, he's a he he's a good he's a he's a country boy. He's going like bale hay. Those are the answers that he wants you to think because Brock Lesnar in his free time can do whatever Brock Lesnar wants because that guy's like a colossus. So, do you think that this is going to be one of the two main event slots? Uh, especially since it's a uh uh, a two night card, yeah. I think this will be. One, I, I think this probably ends you up on Sunday night. Really, you're saying that this is the Sunday main event. So, so in that situation, that is the main event of the entire scenario. Yeah, yeah, whatever. probably. All right, and then finally, um, I guess your co-main event in a five pronged main event of doom. It is. Your NXT Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley, defending against Charlotte Flair. Uh, the Royal Rumble winner, Charlotte Flair, decided to challenge for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, Rab, thoughts on this match? I think it's interesting. I do think it uh, is a good nod if you really want people to believe, hey, NXT is not a developmental league anymore. It's a third brand, and there's no reason that... Uh, Charlotte Flair, who's headlined uh, WrestleManias, who's been a WWE Women's Champ or whatever it is now, because there's 47 titles for every division <laughs> in the WWE, which is stupid. And she's like um, an 11-time Women's Champion, and she's only been wrestling for like five years. Yeah, I mean, whether Charlotte wins uh, the championship here or she puts over 
uh, Ripley, it just lends credence to the belt that it's a big deal that you would win the Rumble and you wouldn't want to wrestle for the Raw Women's Championship or the SmackDown Women's Championship or for the Universal Championship. You can challenge for any title you want and you want to be the NXT champion. Yeah, I definitely you believe do think you're the future or whatever. Yeah, I definitely wow. do think it does do a great job of elevating NXT from, you know, the quote unquote developmental to the third brand that it I mean, it now is um they're uh, they're no longer quote unquote call downs. I mean, when Finn Balor shows up in NXT, that's a big damn deal. That said, I think Rhea Ripley is a star that WWE really wants to build up because at least in my opinion, Charlotte Flair and all of the four wrestling horsewomen, they're already made. Two of the four MMA horsewomen, they're already made, and the other two, they can work a damn good tag team combo, in my opinion. Rhea Ripley is an entity in and of herself. She can be a Becky Lynch-type figure that can stand on her own, much like Becky Lynch was leading up to her run of getting both straps last year at Mania. She is this ass-kicker, massive athlete who takes no crap from no one and and is just second to none in the ring. And I think it would be a fantastic almost, I don't want to call it a star-maker match, because in my opinion, Rhea Ripley already is a star. But if she can put Charlotte Flair's shoulders on the mat for a one, two, three, or heaven forbid she taps out. Damn, that right there would be a good day at the office for Rhea Ripley, and I'm picking her to retain the title. You just made too much sense there, so uh, <laughs> watch out for a swerve this weekend. Something stupid. Oh, hell, you're right. Uh, all right, well, Rab, that is all 79 matches of WrestleMania 36. Your thoughts on the card from uh, all the way from the top to the bottom. I, I do think there's some potential for some good matches here, and uh, I, for one, am, am hoping that maybe the WWE learns uh, a little bit from uh, this card, I think even with it being two nights, it's a little bloated to have eight matches a night on a on a pay-per-view. Uh, you know, six is probably the, the sweet spot, but it is WrestleMania. Uh, and uh, that, that this may be something we see uh, moving forward. Maybe not, look, I don't want two-night pay-per-views because that, that, that would be the lesson the WWE would learn. Let's do a two-night pay-per-view every six weeks. Oh, no. God, no, not that. But Oh, Mania? God, no. But uh, WrestleMania, maybe in the future, being a true weekend celebration of the sport would be awesome. Because, I mean, with the way Mania is set up right now, it's already a full week experience. Unfortunately, Tampa didn't get to go through that. But, I mean, like, the WrestleMania, like, uh, fan access expo, that sets up, like, I want to say the Tuesday before uh, before Mania. So, I mean, like, it is a full-blown week extravaganza. And unfortunately, Tampa didn't get to go through that, and that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. But I think this is a this is a good test run for, hey, if, if this works, we can present a card and we can present three really good solid hours of television on a Saturday night and, and get you to pay uh, – 30 40 bucks and get you to pay another 30 40 bucks for a Sunday night or the the network subscription or a package deal or whatever and and that could be the future of WrestleMania a la Wrestle Kingdom like they do uh in Japan and just not 
like like you said, what the it was the pre-show for WrestleMania last year started at <laughs> like four in the afternoon and went to one in that one at night. Uh huh. So it was like a nine hours. Uh huh. It was a hard nine hour broadcast and. This comes from somebody who is literally hosting a wrestling podcast. Nine hours in one sitting is way too much damn wrestling. It's not any... It, Nine hours of not, anything is too much in one not any. Sitting. It's not any different than everybody says, oh, well, why wouldn't you want the NFL playoffs to expand? More football is never bad. Yeah, but are you really going to expect me to sit there from noon uh, to midnight on both Saturday and Sunday and watch literally 24 hours of football because I'm probably not going to do that. At some point, I'll have enough and I'll tap out. Let me just say, in this current situation, I would sign up for 24 hours of bowl games. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I just think this is a good a good opportunity for the WWE to learn, learn potentially a lesson in that we can have a way for people to have their WrestleMania moment without overloading everybody uh, with an eight-hour uh, pay-per-view because nobody wants that. No, even your most hardcore fans don't want that. And this is, in addition to Saturday night, and I think this is what's going to be the big caveat, so to speak, going forward for a two-night WrestleMania. The issue is, on Saturdays, generally for Mania and the big shows, there's an NXT TakeOver event. Generally, the takeover events better than whatever uh, pay-per-view it's uh, coming before. But I think that's going to be the issue. Okay, you move that to Friday. There's still the Hall of Fame ceremony, which WWE has now made a habit of uh, making money off of. But uh, you know what? I feel like those are going to be questions to be answered in WrestleManias to come because all we can talk about is the WrestleMania that we have here in a couple days, and uh, dadgum, that feels like a full-blown podcast. I think we've talked about everything we need to. Probably stuff we really didn't need to, but that's never stopped us before. Rab, on the way out the door, tell the lovely listeners where they can catch you. Absolutely. Off the bench, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, uh, WCDT Radio, WCDTRadio.com. Uh, go check out the podcast. Had uh, good interviews this week, Ryan McGee of uh, ESPN the magazine was on the show this week talk with Braden Gall uh, Thursday those are both on the podcast so uh, still having some good interviews there's still sports stuff to talk about with there being no games uh, being played at least until the NFL uh, free agency uh, fountain dries up but go check that out uh, and then also don't forget our uh, sister podcast here to near fall radio the R&D project well, they can't forget about it because uh, both of these podcasts come down the same feed. So if you're subscribed to one, you're subscribed to the other. Ha ha. Gotcha, bitch. Uh, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash L-A-N-D-O-Z. Please go follow me. That's where you can find the latest from me. 280 characters at a time. I also on our website, buttmunchchips.com. Buttmunchchips.com. Sit on your button much. But instead of going there, I invite you to go to the iTunes store and search for this fine podcast you're listening for, R&D Project, or Near Fall Radio in this instance, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review. Remember, five stars or GTFO. I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, 6 to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, bringing you the laughs and all your news through the drive time slog. Uh, I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast if you're a fan of of the Walt Disney World Resort and all the parks that are on that property. Uh, 
kind of in a holding pattern, much like the rest of the world, but the Monday Morning Monorail crew is cranking out some content to make you smile. They did just celebrate their 100th episode, so be sure and give them a subscribe just for that. That's pretty cool. Also, this week, I appeared on Producing the Facts. That is a podcast with Eric Kane, a man that you, Rab, said is the hardest working man in sports, even when there isn't sports to talk about, and I cannot disagree. So be sure and check that out. Give it a subscribe. I'm not going to tell you to give it a five-star review because I'm only on a handful of episodes, and... You know, I can't speak to the quality of the episodes that I'm not on. But Rab, before we get out the door, any last thoughts? Hey, yeah, the the producing the facts podcast that you were on this week with uh, Kaner uh, was excellent, talking about uh, sitcom franchises <laughs> uh, and stuff. That's a good, uh, quick listen. It's like 35 minutes, so if you you want, you know, need a quick, good little quick distraction from what we got going on now. I highly suggest you go uh, check that one out. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Me and Kaner, we had uh, fun talking about some sitcoms. Spoiler alert, uh, Parks and Recreation's wins. And like Rab said, that is a nice, quick listen, which is the exact opposite of this monster. I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for making it to the end of this podcast me and Rab, we love doing this, and we only it only gets better when we have you, the lovely listener, along for the ride. So for the Will Rab, I am a Landon Doan. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been near fall. You've been great. Stay classy. Wash your damn hands, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>